the feast day of Saint Nicholas. That's right. There are a lot of legends surrounding him. How do we separate truth from fiction when it comes to Saint Nicholas of Bari? And by the way, one of the most famous stories about Saint Nicholas is that he allegedly, allegedly knocked out Arius, who, by the way, would have richly deserved such a thing. I don't advocate physical violence, except for when it comes to Arius, because he did deserve it, because he, of course, was the arch-heretic. He essentially said that Jesus wasn't God. He said that he was created. They had the greatest creation, but uh, he, he wasn't God. He, 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 he didn't exist from all eternity. And this, this, you guys have no idea. This almost destroyed the entire church. Now, you church history buffs know this very, very well. But at one point, over half of the bishops in the world believed this heresy. This guy was very good. He was very good with Scripture. And this is why the Bible alone is, is uh, not a good idea, because Scripture can be twisted, it can be manipulated, and he would make a biblical case, cherry-picking verses here and there, and it was a very convincing case for his argument that Jesus was not God. And it almost destroyed the church. And this is really one of the reasons why the Council of Nicaea was called. They fought over this, literally, apparently, at the Council of Nicaea. And it is said that St. Nicholas of Bari, who had been in prison and had been tortured for the Orthodox Catholic Christian faith. Now, there were fistfights at the Council of Nicaea. There actually were. It was like it was almost like a WWE Royal Rumble. Guys jumping off the top rope. Chairs were thrown. You know, that sort of thing. And because of the fact that passions were running high, the church had been brutally persecuted under emperors such as Diocletian. And, of course, uh, St. Nicholas of Bari was one of those guys who was persecuted and tortured under his reign. Spent about five years in prison. And there were guys at the Council of Nicaea who were literally missing their eyeballs, missing limbs. They had been just absolutely mauled. They had been just abused in every possible way for the faith, and they never gave it up. And then there were other people who were a little bit on the soft side, let's put it that way, and they had suffered for the true faith. They were not going to stand for this. So there's lots of accounts of the strife that took place at the Council of Nicaea. Now, whether or not the Arius punch ever happened, apparently it's a, it's a bit of an ecclesiastical urban legend. And there's, there's some other facts that we need to know about the real St. Nicholas. So let's, let's dive in. And uh, Michelle LaRosa, writing for The Pillar, uh, came up with a list of six things to know about the real St. Nick. And he became a bishop when he was quite young. You know, as LaRosa writes, there's no historical documents about the youth of St. Nicholas. So there's a lot of legendary tales about him, but nothing that we can pin down with any historical accuracy. But according to tradition, he was still pretty young when he was appointed the Bishop of Myra, which is now located in present-day Turkey. This was in the 4th century. So his uncle, apparently, had also been, by the way, uh, Bishop of Myra, and kind of his nephew t- took over this, this mantle. And St. Nicholas of Myra was very well known for his generosity and for his liberal giving. And this is part of where the, the, the idea of gift-giving Santa Claus kind of comes from. There's a very uh, famous legend, and again, whether it's true or not, we don't really know for sure was that he secretly paid the dowries of three young women who were facing, unfortunately, they were, they were going to be condemned to a life of prostitution because they were too poor to produce a dowry to actually get married. Well, he fixed that problem, and he was able to save these women, provided their dowry. But we don't really know. It could fall under the, the, uh, one of the many legends about him. 
But we do know for sure that he was, this is the second thing, that he was imprisoned and in all likelihood tortured for his faith. And he actually probably, we have some pretty good evidence that he bore the marks uh, of that torture on his body. One of the things that St. Paul said in the New Testament was, I don't want to, he basically said, I don't want to take any guff from anybody because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He had been persecuted, he'd been beaten, he'd been stoned and left for dead, all kinds of terrible things that happened to Paul because of his faith. And he says this in his letter to the Galatians, hey, let nobody give me, give me any trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Well, St. Nicholas could say that as well. And during Diocletian, the Roman emperor, unleashed a brutal persecution against the church before it was legalized, of course, by Constantine around the time of the uh, Council of Nicaea. But he never renounced his faith, even under torture. And Constantine, actually, when he got into power, and of course the conversion of Constantine, Constantine actually got him out of prison, kind of a, I guess you could say an emperor's pardon, like a presidential pardon. And he was released. After he died, and and St. Nicholas, this is the next thing, St. Nicholas died in the year 343. This is the third fact about him. He was actually buried in Turkey, in modern-day Turkey, but that's not where his body is now. He died in 343 AD, and he was buried in the cathedral in Myra. And in fact, a a couple centuries after that, in about 520 AD, they built a brand-new church, the Church of St. Nicholas, atop his grave. Somewhat like St. Peter's is built over the, the bones of the fishermen in Rome. In the year 1087, so right at the beginning of the second Christian millennium, Italian sailors essentially stole his remains and they took his remains, his mortal remains, to Bari in Italy. And that's why he's known as St. Nicholas of Bari. That's where he was kind of reburied. And that's where his remains are right now in the Basilica of St. Nicholas in Bari, Italy. So why did these sailors do it? Well, the, there were Turks who were, now again, this is before, of course, Myra became what is now Turkey, but there were Turks who had invaded the area, and there were a bunch of Italian Catholic sailors that were kind of stationed there, kind of at the port, and they were really disturbed. They were really afraid that these Turks were going to take over the church and take, take the remains, seize the remains of St. Nicholas, because they were very famous. Because there was a certain miracle that was said to occur, but these sailors were just terrified that the body would be either desecrated or maybe sold or, you know, who knows what. So they kind of decided to take matters into their own hands. They, they took the remains of St. Nicholas out of the church and they brought it back with them, his corpse, to Italy. And so it was reburied. But even when it was buried in what is now uh, Turkey in Myra, the first time he was buried... His body was said to exude this sweet-smelling liquid. And every day, even to this day, this continued on after they transferred the body to Italy. And every year on this day, on his feast day, on December the 6th, they actually retrieve some of this liquid. And they'll put it in little jars, and you can actually buy them. And miraculous healings have been attributed to this liquid. Now, some scientists are kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, They think it's just condensation because a body sort of buried underground it's kind of dank you know they they think it's just kind of condensation in the coffin but is it really Uh, i'm going to leave that question open okay whether or not there's something supernatural going on here but uh michelle la rosa actually kind of looked into this and i don't know if this is still the case but a few years ago for one euro for donating one euro 
to the Basilica of St. Nicholas in, in Bari, Italy, you could actually order a pre-filled glass vial. And it's got like a, a nice little um, sort of metal image, you know, of it's almost like a holy metal or something of St. Nicholas on the front of the bottle. And for one euro, you can get actually some of this, this miraculous liquid. And here, here's another thing, too. He actually, in real life, St. Nicholas was not portly. He was not jolly in the sense of being rotund and, and red-cheeked. and he, wasn't, he was actually pretty skinny. He was actually really skinny because they exhumed his bones. I don't know if you know this. They exhumed the bones of St. Nicholas and they found out what his actual weight and height would have been. And scientists have even reconstructed what his face looked like. And there, there's actually, you can Google images of this on the internet. What is actual, what the real face of St. Nicholas looked like. And yeah, they usually put it, slap a beard on him in these, in these alleged reconstructions, you know, because yeah, he has to have a beard, right? But in 1953, in Bari, Italy, the church kind of opened up the tomb. And the reason why they did this originally is because there was water damage to the crypt of St. Nicholas that happened you know, over a thousand years, millennium. So it's a long time. So, so they had to restore the tomb from water damage. And then in 1957, when that was all done, there was a professor, an, an Italian professor of anatomy named Luigi Martino. He's actually the first modern researcher. And so far, he's the only one to do an analysis of the bones of St. Nicholas. And so he did sort of a, a whole osteo, osteological analysis and an anatomical analysis. And he published his results of his findings. He took x-rays, he took measurements. They really kind of let him have free reign with the body, the mortal remains of, of St. Nicholas, the bones. Of course, there's no flesh anymore. They're all uh, decomposed. But he was over 70 years old. They can tell this from the bones. When he died, he was of average height, for the time, and he was about five foot uh, four inches, so he's only about five four. He wasn't dunking on anybody, let's put it that way. Uh, he was very slender of build, which is kind of average. Uh, his face was kind of short, kind of wide, wide cheekbones, a broad forehead. His chin kind of jutted out a little bit, but you can't tell because he had a beard, of course, right? His nose was about medium width, but his nose had been broken, it had been fractured. And uh, why is that? Some people think, well, maybe Arius punched him back. We don't know that for sure. In all likelihood, what probably happened to him was he was probably beaten when he was tortured uh, in, in prison. He also um, had decayed teeth. I mean, dental care, what, dental care really wasn't that great back then. He didn't have crest white strips or anything like that. Um, arthritis of the spine and pelvis, again, you know, maybe resulting from some of his injuries. Really interesting that they did this analysis of the skeleton. You can find actually images of that online, too, of um, Professor Luigi Martino actually looking at the skull of the real St. Nick. How about that? It's unbelievable. One last little fact about the real St. Nick. He's the patron. Lots of saints are patron saints of a lot of different things. For some reason, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of wolves. I don't know why that is. You would think deer, maybe reindeer, but uh, uh, falsely accused prisoners, of course, from his time, uh, locked up uh, for his faith. He's also the patron saint of Russia. You might know this. They have a, a great devotion to, to St. Nicholas there. Venerated in the East and the West, an intercessor for sailors, maybe because of the journey of his body to Italy. I don't know. Uh, children. Most likely because of the young ladies he, he, he's alleged to have uh, provided the dowry for merchants, falsely accused prisoners, 
uh, brewers. Okay, I didn't know he was a brewmaster, but uh, repentant thieves, also the country of Greece as well. So there you go. So that th- those are some real historical facts about the real life Saint Nicholas. This entire episode of the Kale Clark Show is available on the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio app is completely free and updated daily with fresh articles, podcasts, and prayers. Don't delay. Download the app today. And thanks for listening.